This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Today's conversation is the conclusion of our series called Finding Common Ground. And each episode, we looked at a different aspect of natural revelation and how the world around us gives us the common ground that we are desperately in need of with our fellow humans and even within ourselves. We've covered a variety of commonalities like our human limitations and our need for sustainability and our our shared call to tend and to keep the world. And now here we are, Hannah, we're at the finale, the conclusion of the series. We made it. We did. Yay. We did. We had some bumps (laughs) along the way. We did, which I guess is normal life. Yes. But still, I'm so glad we made it. And I also want to say that it was so encouraging to hear from so many of you listeners. Thanks for cheering us that you were glad to see us back and that you're listening still. So we appreciate you engaging with us as well to uh, keep us moving along the journey. Yes. And, and I think if there's anything we all can appreciate about the last year or year and a half or so it's the need to give each other margin and to recognize that you know things happen you know (laughs) schedules change pandemics occur um who knew that pandemics would occur (laughs) who knew but i still laugh about how a year ago we thought oh just give it a couple weeks and then we'll be back at it and wow this has just gone on and on and and so much of what we've talked about in the series has related back to it and in some ways i feel like oh we're talking about it again but it's like because it's still here yes. <laughs> and this is the way that we are living now it's very real and uh current for our day yeah and i do want to just take a moment to acknowledge the fact that even if things in the United States are starting to open up again, that the rest of the world is still in the throes of this. And there's a lot happening. I mean, that's the nature of a global pandemic, right? It's not just what's happening for you and your community. Um, But, you know, what we're seeing in India and Brazil has to register for us that this still is very much a real thing and something that's going to be around for a while quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. I I think that sense of returning or reverting to how things were, um, I, I think that maybe there are sentiments there that all of us hope for that return to what we think was normal. But I don't think we can just sidestep COVID and, and move along as if it didn't happen. I think it will change how we are from here on out. And some of that will be um, 
maybe easier to adapt to. Some of those changes will be easier to adapt to than others. But I think that all of us will um, need to discover what is that new normal? What in the world is it going to look like? And, you know, one of the things that I emerged from this whole process is exactly what you're saying about that longing to return, that longing um, for things to go back to what quote unquote, they should be or what we expected them to be. And as much as we long for that within our kind of human societies, one of the features that was, I don't know, maybe a, a, a little bit of a silver lining and very, very gray cloud was the whole nature is healing meme. Yes. And yep. this kind of observation that as human beings pull back from certain spaces, that the natural world slowly began to take it over again. Um, <laughs> and there were some fantastic examples of this. My favorite one, um, I don't know if you saw the goats and whales. <laughs> I saw the whales. I did not see the goats. No, the, go the, the goats in the country of whales, not the whales. Oh, I thought you meant because I had seen the whales. Yeah. Oh, no. What was that? The goats. Okay, so this is the most random thing, one of the most random things that's ever happened in my life because there's this small town in northern Wales. It's a seaside town um, called Clendendo, and it is close to some very wild um, kind of na nature preserves up in the cliffs and mountains, and they, they have goats up there. And because this is a somewhat of a, a seaside resort town, um, that all shut down during COVID, and the goats descended into the town. And basically, oh my gosh. Took I over think I know town. what you're talking about now. Where they're running around like through the yards. Even. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so here's the, the most random, ridiculous thing. Nathan and I actually vacationed there for about three days um, in, I think it was 2018. So That's we so stayed wonderful. in Clendendo <laughs> and we're watching these goats run around places that we had actually been, <laughs> been and walked through. And it was just, it, it was so random. I mean, like, how. Does a person who That's lives bizarre. in Southwest Virginia like have this this ability, this you know, experience of like, oh, right. I know that church. I've been I've, to that I've, church. And now there are goats. And now there are goats. Because nature place. is healing. That's right. It's welcoming back the the proper creatures that should be ruling. That's what I always think is which species is going to rise up. Are the goats going to rise up and take over the town? It's very frightening. But th that that meme and that sense of like, look what happens when the human creatures are not ruling or, or taking over or disrupting nature's proper cycle. I think that that is something that we have been discussing over the years we we've there's all the discussion about climate change and and the world changing because of how we live we talked a little bit about sustainability practices um in the last episode and so i think that those are things that are top of mind and um we're we're starting to at least consider what does it look like when we are all living together in that ecosystem type of uh, mentality of we all have a place here and are we making this a world where everyone or every creature has a spot and, and can live and flourish? The other thing that it struck for me was the irony um, of the, the concept of healing, where mm -hmm. at the same time that so many human beings were not being healed, that so many human beings 
were struggling and dying as if they weren't part of nature. Right. 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 Um, We were saying, oh, look, nature is healing. Nature is doing better. It's overcoming brokenness while human beings themselves were very much not healing. Right. And it got me thinking about just this idea of what do we, we even mean by the the word healing? Like, what is that phenomenon? How do we see it kind of displayed in the creation, displayed in ourselves? And what's remarkable to me is that healing is actually um, a, a necessary part of being alive. And, and a lot of times we'll talk about healing as if, poof, your disease went away or you no longer have the brokenness or the goats are running wild in Clendendo. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this kind of more um, sustainable healing that is just the process of regeneration sufficient to overcome brokenness to keep life going. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I was also thinking of that in respect to the fact that COVID's not going away. And so what does what does sufficient healing look like with COVID? I mean, even our um, move to become vaccinated and to have different health practices and different um, social practices, I think that that's one of the ways that we are seeking a level of healing and and trying to find those modes of adaptation. But the healing part of it is interesting because I think that we would, of course, like it to be that poof, COVID is gone. Like that's what we would like is for it to be eradicated and for us to not have to deal with that disease and the the death and destruction that come with it. Um, As we think about healing in that way, that we want that ultimate poof, we want complete healing and complete health, we want it, but I think also um, we're leery that we could even have it. Um, I, I feel like this has been such a time of discouragement. Like, I, I feel like having hope that things will change, I feel like people are right on the edge of, do I even trust that it's possible? And and I think that that has been hard, too, because we aren't even trusting that it is possible to come to a new state of normal where we're not battling at every moment. Right. So if we can understand healing not as everything's perfect and all of your diseases are gone And you have no difficulties. But if we can define healing as you're staying just ahead of the brokenness so you don't die. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I was thinking of this in two respects. One was we've all learned all these new medical terms over the last year. Like we're all experts. Mm -hmm. So I can now say COVID is going to become endemic. You know, it's not a panda, it's endemic now, which by which we mean it's going to become one of those diseases that just exists and is not eradicated. But we are going to have to learn to live with the same way we learn to live with the flu, not accepting Mm -hmm. it as normal Mm -hmm. or good, but changing the way we approach it, changing our practices 
and changing the kinds of sensibilities we have around it. So, so I was thinking about coming to an understanding of healing and medical progress that just keeps us alive and functioning mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. society, even against endemic problems. And that was running through my head the same time I was thinking about a lot of our societal problems really reaching a fever pitch through this last year or two, right? So we've had the one-two punch of a a lot of social and political turmoil, upheaval, um, global pandemic, and it really feels like our society is fraying, that it's breaking down in ways that are just, it's not going to be able to go forward. Yeah, yeah. And I see this call to fight the brokenness of social evils, um, whether it's racism or sexism or um, whatever kind of harm that we impose on each other. And yet I wonder, like, what is our proper disposition toward those things? Is it we can eradicate this and let's get rid of it? Or is it that healing is the constant vigilance of staying ahead of it and keeping it under control that these things are endemic in our society, in ourselves, in human experience. We're not giving up on healing. We're just saying that healing doesn't mean perfection. Healing means working Uh toward a, a society that can support life. And that this process of healing really is a natural thing that's always going on, even if we never reach ultimate, you know, physical wholeness. You're talking about a healing that requires action and continual sustaining versus a healing where it's done and I don't have to do anything anymore. (laughs) And so I think in my mind, when I think of healing, I think of it as poof, it's gone. And therefore, I I don't have to engage with it like it's done. And nothing is more required. Nothing more is required of me. Whereas the healing you're talking about is the kind where you are still active in it and you you still need to tend to it and nurture it. And that's interesting to have that as two approaches to healing or two mentalities of what is healing, because our expectations for what healing is, really that frames whether you can even have hope or not. Because if if things aren't poof different, if they're not completely eradicated, then that is so discouraging. And I think that that's what I've been seeing in terms of the discouragement out there, people being um, experiencing grief and depression over things aren't changing, not just COVID, but all of society's ills. And it reminds me of that meme just everything's on fire, like it's a dumpster fire. And so that is the feeling of like, either it's perfect, or it's a dumpster fire, and there isn't an in between. But you're saying if we redefine what healing is, that's a way forward. It is because the the other um, danger is that you would say something like, well, things aren't going to be better until Jesus comes back. And so I'm not going to even work at it now. Like ultimate healing will come 
And the next echelon, that's when our bodies will be healed. That's when our societies will be healed. So right now, I'm not going to even work toward any kind of bettering or healing of myself and my relationships and our society. And I think that kind of pitfall is, you know, on the opposite side of the road, but it's based on the same kind of expectation that healing is something that you achieve. It's not something that um, you sustain and cultivate. And and when you think in biological terms, you think about the human body um, or even, you know, anything that's a living organism, there's this constant regeneration of uh, cells. There's this constant fighting back of disease, like your immune system is constantly on guard for um, invasion or threats. And and it is designed, part of being alive is having a healing mechanism, not that suddenly makes everything perfect, but that it can sustain life. It can, it can fight back the threat sufficiently with regular vigilance, um, regular health, so that you can live and you can do what you need to do. And and I think of death then as the point where the brokenness overcomes the the ability to heal. And when you think of healing as this continual process, not a one and done, but you think of it as this thing that is always going on that is essential to the very definition of life then you begin to understand that that death is when the brokenness or disease kind of outpaces the capacity to heal. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Hannah, I liked your definition there or your explanation that um, death is when your um, ability to heal has been overcome. So your body's in this constant state of renewal and regeneration. And at some point, your body won't be able to overcome whatever is going on that isn't able to be healed. And so therefore, you experience you experience death. So I think that that sort of definition um, gives a almost a different um, frame for what is 
even life. I mean, it, it changes what healing is, but it also changes what is life, like what is the purpose of our day to day. And it is that constant seeking of healing and regeneration. And that is our aim as we move day to day until the day when we can no longer do that. Right. Life isn't just this static state. Yeah. Static state. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's not just yes. this um existence that that is passive that yeah. you just have. It mm-hmm. it is something that must be maintained and cultivated and encouraged and um cared for. It must be fed, it must be nourished, it must um be protected. And when you think of healing as one of those mechanisms that sustains life, I think it helps you understand why you're always having to do healing work in your own life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I get frustrated being this far into life and being like, oh, man, I have to go back and do that spiritual work again. <laughs> oh, I have to do that emotional work again. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you got a cold again. Welcome to being alive. Right. Yes, you but, got a virus again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think this is helpful, though, because I, I think in in the Christian realm, I think that some of the things that need regular attention, such as keeping short accounts with people or um, going back to God and asking for forgiveness or physical things such as, oh, I got a cold and now I need to take a break or I have the flu and I need to take a break. Those regular things that are healing patterns and rhythms that we need, I think that in the Christian realm, we can downplay them as if um, you shouldn't have to have those. Like at some point you will arrive and that's when you are spiritually mature because you have somehow become the superhuman that doesn't need rest, that doesn't even need forgiveness, that you just are above all of that brokenness because you've achieved the like your the next level unlocked super Christian. And that's going to prove or or be evidence of how God has blessed you. And so this mentality and our definition of healing, it affects everything, how we approach life and relationships and how we go about seeing the point of our days. I think it also gives us the perspective we need to engage in the, the work of healing our communities and our churches to not be surprised when the same problems keep coming up again and again. Um, I I had that experience within the last few years. I've been really engaged in conversations about gender um, in the church for probably about 10 years now. And there were points along that cycle where I was like, oh, yes, this time, now we're going to get over this hurdle. Now we're going to figure this out and we're going to move forward in this linear way that we're, we've overcome, right? And now the, the horizon is open before us and we can move forward. Only a few years later to find ourselves having the exact same conversations in a slightly different way. Um, and at first I was just really overwhelmed by that, that sense of, oh, we're back here. We're dealing with the same thing. And I'm sure it's the same, um, I assume it's the same in conversations, you know, about race or other um, class issues, you know, poverty, 
where you just feel like you're you're fighting the same battles. Um, and the truth is you are. You're, you're fighting the same structures and you're fighting the same brokenness. And what's fascinating about the body's immune system, though, is once it has experienced a threat, part of what it does is learn and identify the threat so that when it comes around again, it can fight it off more quickly. It can heal faster. And so I think that kind of vision for what healing is gives us the, I don't know, maybe just the grounding and it sets our expectations correctly when we're engaging in the work of um, pursuing just societies or healthy church communities to recognize that this is not a linear, like progressive thing where we're just going to get past certain things, that there are endemic threats in the world around us that are always going to be attacking our families, our churches, our societies. And as Christians who are called to the work of healing, not just, you know, within our own hearts and lives and relationships, but more broadly being a source of healing for the world, we are acting in some respect as the immune system to fight these things off. Um, you know, waiting in hope that one day there will be this um, holistic, this complete healing when Christ returns. Yeah. With that sense of the work that's needed and how the work is the healing um, and how we engage in it and we are part of that process, I think that that is a, a helpful frame for me, even when I think about the repetitive nature of needing to do the work again. Like you said, these conversations, we're having them again. But there's something about that in helping me to understand that all of us are in that process of renewal and regeneration and in need of renewal and regeneration. Because one of the ways that I can be discouraged is feeling like, oh, this person is doing this thing again, and it's bothering me again. <laughs> and I I want to just say, oh, well, that's hopeless. Like, that's never going to change. Or um I may as well just stop having the conversations or stop having the interaction with a particular person. But the work of healing means that the work is good and meaningful, even when I am not seeing or observing the the perfected end in the moment. Like there's still value in that work. And I think because we can tend to be such an achievement-oriented people, we want the achievement. Like, of course, we want the victory. We want to see that we've accomplished something. And so when those conversations keep having to happen, I think that's where the hopelessness sets in is because we think this is never changing. And yet when we look to how God arranged the world and how nature works, um, we see that his... His aim and his um, work is the one of renewal. Like that is the beauty of it is that he is renewing things daily in the seasons, even after disaster, like nature healing, whatever. Um, we see that 
that is how God set it up is for there to be progression and and recycling and um, after periods of dormancy, then there's life. You know, all of those things, the renewal and and making things new. So we see that in our daily lives, but we need that perspective in order for us to have hope and to keep on with it. Absolutely. It is the basis of our ability to continue. Um, I do think there's a counterpoint here as well, that as we are doing the work of healing, of fighting back the disease, of bringing renewal, we do have to be aware that with every person, every institution, every society, every relationship, there, there is a point where the brokenness can overcome the healing. So let's say you're engaging with that person over and over and over and over again, 70 times seven, and you are doing the work of healing. But at some point, the immune system is overwhelmed. At some point, your body's ability to heal is outpaced by the disease, by the brokenness, and that's when death comes. And I think we have to keep that category or we will exhaust ourselves in efforts to heal something that just won't be healed. And so like we have to have the understanding that death is a thing too. As much as healing is a thing, death is a thing. And there are parts of our society, parts of our um, even ourselves and our relationships that are going, they're going to succumb to death. And we ourselves are going to succumb to death physically. But even as we look at like, you know, churches that are struggling, um, we're seeing the loss of maybe some of the categories that we had always known, or we, we see things shifting so, so drastically within politics. Like, there are going to be some things that die despite our best efforts to heal them. And we're going to have to accept that as much as we accept that healing is part of life. Because I think the the whole point of the gospel ultimately is what do you do with death? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And... and- there's even a hope there. Right. Yes. Because I, I think of how that in many ways that is part of God's grace is that we would not have to continue on and on in these broken vessels, that there will become redemption in death. And so holding that intention that we are doing the work of healing, but it's still just a shadow of what will come and what is promised it it's like it we have to remember it's not meaningless and yet it's just a reflection of what will be and it's it's sort of like um the promise like we're seeing that it is the promise of what will come but i appreciate what you're saying about some things will die and they need to i mean there are some things that are are terrible things of this earth that 
I don't want them following us into eternity. So I'm going to be very happy to put those aside and have them be done with um, on this side of heaven. So and, and I think it's that a that's loss, a wise word. Too. Like it's a loss and it's a grief and there's no need to um, pretend it's otherwise. Like, you know, I, I watch the, um, <laughs> I don't say the demise, but <laughs> the, the, I feel like I'm watching the collapse of the American evangelical church in real time. Um, Not that it's going away, but like there is really, there is a brokenness that's become pervasive. Um, And that's really hard to fight that back, but also to recognize some of these institutions are going to die. And, um, you know, even most recently with some of the scandals that have come up with, uh, you know, RZIM Ministries, Ravi Zacharias. I mean, this institution is now dead because it could not fight back the brokenness sufficiently. But I think if we look to, um, you know, our hope in the gospel, it's ultimately that the Christian faith is one of resurrection. And there is a difference between healing and resurrection. And I think that is an essential Thing for us to understand that resurrection happens um, when healing didn't. That resurrection is a divine act outside of nature. It is the tr- transcendent God stepping in when the natural process of healing did not do what it could do or was designed to do. And so even then, as we wrestle and grapple with the fact that death is part of the world, we are hoping, we are, we are waiting in hope that, yes, death is part of the world as much as the capacity to heal is. But we have this hope that's outside of the world, that is beyond us, that is transcendent and divine. And that our creator is going to step into his creation and um, bring it to life again, even after it could not sustain life itself. That is such a good word. And I, I think because it lands right there on that resurrection hope, I think that is the perfect end note for this episode, this conversation, and even for this series. Um, it's It's been so good to talk about these concepts with you, Hannah. And I, I do appreciate, again, all the work that you put into um, your recent release. I'll, I'll make sure that I get Turning of Days linked up in the show notes because everybody, it's so good. You, you'll want to go and grab a copy of that book. But that um, really does it for this conversation of persuasion. And this is the end of our Finding Common Ground series. All of those shows in the series will be linked up in the show notes. If you missed any of them, you can catch up with them there. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation and for bearing with us as we uh, found our way through the brokenness of our own (laughs) experience (laughs) of the world. Um, We're grateful for your um, time invested and the conversation that you invest um, on Twitter and um, in the Carson Pop Culture Members Forum. Of course, as always, you can find us on Twitter at PersuasionCAPC and you can find us in the Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum. You can become a member for a $5 a month donation that helps support uh, the work of Christ and Pop Culture. 
and gives us the ability to foster and cultivate the conversations there. Persuasion is produced by Jonathan Clausen, and it's part of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. You can find all of those shows at ChristandPopCulture.com, or you can search for them at iTunes. And thanks to all of you for listening to Persuasion, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at ChristandPopCulture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.